I'm Kelly Harrell, author, animist, and creator of the Weekly Rune. Solentent Arts is my soul-tending practice, and you're listening to What in the Weird, my podcast in which I talk about runes, actionable animism, soul-tending, and how all of those intersect through sacred activism on my path. The Weekly Rune is out, and if you're not sure what it is, it's a runecast that I've done for years focused on the runic calendar and the current half-month rune. You can find the archive of all of the runecasts on my site, solentonarts.com, and if you're not sure what a half-month is, listen to the early episodes of What in the Weird, or just go read the Weekly Rune at Solentent Arts. It's explained at the beginning of every runecast. I want to thank all of my Patreon supporters who make the sharing of my rune work through the RuneCast and this podcast possible with their financial support. If you'd like to support the Weekly Rune, you get access to the full RuneCast, no ads, more details on the RuneCast, weekly prompts for engaging the half-month rune in your personal work, and a Galder recording for how to work with the Weekly RuneCast through chanting. You can contribute as little or as much as you'd like, and the rewards scale according to what you'd like to receive. And if you don't want any rewards, you just want to show your support, you're welcome to do that. Go to patreon.com and search for The Weekly Rune. You can also subscribe to the free version of The Weekly Rune by going to soulintentarts.com. And thank you so much for doing that. Today I want to talk about a couple of random aspects of Othala that bring a great deal of nuance to how we understand it, no matter what it applies to. And I think usually these these two details get overlooked. So they don't pertain directly to this week's runecast, but I think they're important aspects of Othala to understand in order to work well with it across the board. The first is its relationship to Odin himself. Most people associate Ansu's with Odin, and rightfully so. I tend to fall into that camp. Like when people say Odin's rune, I'm like, ah, well, we're talking about Ansu's. Ansu's indicates the breath of Odin, the universal life force, which means if, if the breath of Odin had this incredible force, then when we focus on our breath, we become part of that. We embody that life force, and it's up to us what we're doing with it. So when we bring our awareness to our breath, we're still. Like, we're not obsessing over the details. We're not going OCD over something. And, you know, we're able to be divine in that moment. We are seeing the divinity in ourselves, and we know it. It's not this accidental thing that's happening. We are, in essence, embodying godlike awareness and potential. The associations made between Odin and Othala are that the qualities of Othala are sacred to Odin. And those are community rituals, family connections, um, land connections, 
assets, rights, unity, bondedness, all of these are sacred qualities to Odin. And they're felt when we galder Othala as Od, or for some people, it, it falls more along the lines of Ond, the quality, the uh, soul aspect that is Ond. And when we galder, period, no matter what it is, we get in touch with sacred breath, like as a concept, as a stillness within, as that point of embodiment of divinity. That's the, that's the focus that galder serves. So what that means is when we galder, we're fully present. I wrote an article on this um, and the benefits of galdering last week how Galder activates the vagus nerve. And you can find that article on my website, solentinarts.com. But the short version is the result of that practice of, of Galdering in general, but specifically when we Galder Othala, we Galder Od and we become fully present, Od, Oda. So just to be fully clear, as an animist, I don't deity. I don't have a sense of deity. I don't experience deity. Um, they're beings that I run into every now and then, and I work with them every now and then. But in terms of how I experience beingness, I don't have a sense of hierarchy around any uh, life force. Like no life force is ranked above any other. They we, they have different wisdom. They have different knowledge and skills that they bring, different strengths and longevity. Absolutely. But I don't have the rating system that a lot of people apply to deity as above everything else. So keep that in mind, you know, as I talk about how to work with Othala from this sense of Odin's breath embodied. In order to tend the affairs of family, to fully grok what our ancestors need us to bring forward from the purpose of our lineage, yes, we don't have just personal life purpose, we have collective lineage life purpose. I just broke somebody's brain saying that. Um, we have to be able to understand our history to, to tend land spirit connections, possibly land spirit connections we've never set foot on that our ancestors uh, stayed with for thousands of years, as well as the land spirit connections where we do live that might actually be somebody else's uh, ancestral spirits. We have to take all of that into consideration. And in order to do that, we have to be present. We have to use ansus, the sacred breath, of, of speaking our truth. We use that divine breath of Odin to do the work of Othala. And, you know, where do we do that? We, we have to be present. We have to be right here. We can't be venturing off into the clouds. We can't be embroiled in some underworld initiation. We have to be right here among people, conscientiously holding space, looking at the bank book, writing the wills, tending the kids, teaching the rituals and ceremonies, screaming out the emotional minutiae and noise of our own minds and our daily cultures. We have to do it while all of that stuff is still going on, fully embodied in our divine awareness. So when you think of Othala, think of it as making the best use of Ansu's. 
We are upholding the principles that Odin supports in most sacredness. And we're letting that breath come forward. We, we're galdering the od, oda, and see where that takes you. See what's needed most in your life right now. The other nuance of Odala that I want to talk about is, ugh, it's, it's just not as pleasant as our opening discussion. And that is the abuses of Odala. When I say that, people tend to think I'm talking about Hitler and Nazis and a long time ago, but that's just not so. We have folks appropriating Othala for harm right now in the race riots of, of the past year, in countries considering banning the use of certain runes because they incite ideologies of whiteness and supremacy and hate campaigns. Why is that? Why is Othala associated with white supremacy? Foremost, white supremacy ignores the proven racial diversity that was late Middle Ages Northern Europe, period, full stop. We arrive at this whitewashed myth of Europe's history because people of color were edited out, not because they weren't there, but they were edited out in the Enlightenment era, starting in the Enlightenment era, which was just a, a sort of secular smarty pants rationalism extension, extension of and reaction to what the church was simultaneously doing through scripture twisting and colonization. There it is. But it had the same outcome. It, and that outcome was to situate whiteness at the top and create a platform of naturalization that was totally engineered to set up Europe as having power over the world. That's what it comes down to. That's why hate groups of today think they can justify a mythological white Europe in antiquity. It's bullshit. But when has that ever mattered to supremacy? When have facts or empathy ever been part of a whiteness agenda? So why do hate groups use Othala? Because they manipulate its roots in ancestry. They only accept that one facet of its meaning and take that myth and the sanitizing of the church and the Enlightenment era atheists, and no, I'm not knocking atheists at all, just those atheists, and they manipulate it to point to their own fantasy of an all-white European ancestry with either no other ethnicities in the picture or no regard for their own mixed European ethnicities. Yes, Europe's tribes were different ethnicities or the subjugation of those other groups as rightful world order. It's a fake picture. It's another route of colonization that's filled with hate and attempting to root itself in a fantasy history of whiteness and the rewriting of that history. But this isn't Othala. This, this is the perversion of Othala. Othala doesn't stand for only the aspects of ancestry that you want to em emphasize. I mean, no, it, it's not only the part of our lineage and inheritance that's exalted. It's all of it. It's everyone in that line, even the assholes, which, which is the work that's before us now when we work with Othala. We have to embrace all of our heritage and find the way to heal it, tend it, 
and move forward in the most fit manner of that line that we can because that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do in this plane. And it's our job to bring that back, to decolonize that perspective of history and to decolonize Othala. That's it for this episode. If you have questions or insights about working with the runes in season or you just need a cheerleader, feel free to email me at kelly at solentonarts.com or call in through the Anchor app, which you can download for Android or iPhone. Also, check out earlier episodes by downloading them from Google Play or iTunes and all the other podcast platforms out there. If you get a chance, check out Everyday Animism, which is a podcast that I co-host with a couple of other lovely ladies, also on Anchor. And other podcasts you might enjoy are Around Grandfather Fire, hosted by James Stovall and Sarah Odinson, and also Why Shamanism Now, hosted by Christina Pratt. You can learn more about me and my work by visiting solentonarts.com or on Instagram at Kelly Soul Arts. I'm Kelly, and this has been What in the Weird.